Hey quilt crew, Brandy here, and you know my story. I'm a firefighter turned quilt teacher, speaker, and author of children's picture book, Christie's Quilt. And I'm the host of the Quilter on Fire podcast. I created this podcast to surround myself with a community of quilters I love. This is my happy place in my quilting world with you. One podcast episode at a time, I'll bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the quilting studio. Welcome to episode 14 of the Quilter on Fire podcast with Libs Elliott. Libs is a textile artist and designer who combines technology and tradition, making digital code into physical quilts. And the results are pretty eye-catching. I first discovered Libs on a cool platform called Patreon, which we'll touch on a little bit later. And I thought her work was so unique that it was design worthy, like put that quilt on a wall immediately for a magazine cover. She has exhibited her work and done speaking engagements internationally. And she designs up to six fabric collections per year for Andover Fabrics. She studied material art and design and cultural studies at university and her private quilt commissions include work for individuals and corporate clients such as Absolute Vodka. And I can't wait to hear all of her stories today. Libs Elliott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brandy. Thanks so much for having me on this podcast. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you. Now, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about your story? How did you get into quilting? Sure. So I originally studied textiles at OCAD University here in Toronto. Uh, that was quite a long time ago. So uh, I did weaving and natural dyeing, but I didn't study quilting. And I don't have quilting in my family. It's not something that I learned from a relative or anything. Uh, but my dad is an antique dealer. And when I was younger, he would often collect quilts for collectors. And he would we would go to auction barns and we'd see all these beautiful quilts. So I was always really drawn to quilts and textiles and just the graphic nature of them. Um, but I, I didn't pursue being an artist. After OCAD, I got into advertising and I worked in the digital realm as a project manager. And that's not really super creative or fun. You get to work with a lot of creative people, but not really be creative yourself. So this great shop opened up around the corner from my office called The Workroom. And they had these like, sew by the hour, you could rent a machine to just sew whatever you wanted, but they also started doing courses, which was really cool. So I signed up for a quilt class and this was about 12 years ago. And it was a sampler class and it was over several weeks and it was just, I was hooked right away. It was so fun to be able to pick out fabrics in the shop and then learn all these different techniques for making blocks and putting them together. Um, Johanna Masco was the teacher. She's an incredible instructor. And I just learned so much. I was hooked immediately. So I've been quilting now for like 12 years. Yeah. So you're mixing traditional quilting and modern technology to create quilt designs. So tell us a story of how you and digital artist Joshua Davis formed this great partnership. Sure. So uh, I've known Joshua Davis for, it's been a long time, not quite 20 years, maybe close to it. Uh, I was always really inspired by the work he does, creating a lot of really uh, amazing algorithmic digital artwork. And a few years ago, I made a quilt for him as a gift. And he was really uh, turned on by the way it looked and, and just the quilt blocks. It was something really, the elements of um, the geometry were similar to some of the work that he does. So, you know, I said to him, the quilt that I made was really, it was non-repetitive, it was very random, but it was really hard for me to get this idea from my brain onto paper, I drafted up this custom thing. And it was really difficult. I said to him, you know, it's really hard because my brain wants to put things into order. And I had to draw this really random design. And it would be amazing if you could help me by maybe we could work together on a collaboration where you provide me with some code um, and, and create something that will allow me to design quilts a little more quickly than my brain does. So uh, he uses a program called Processing and he wrote me this little framework of, of code that allows me to, on the computer really quickly, 
play with shapes and colors on a what would be like considered a grid and design quilts really randomly and quickly. And it just, it's a really fun way to iterate ideas. Um, and so from there, I just, that was sort of, I knew right away, this is, this is my thing. I love the tradition of quilting and I, and I enjoyed the process of learning more about traditional quilts, but I really wanted to bridge that gap between my love for traditional and my passion for the modern and, and technology. So this was sort of a great way to bring those two things together. Yeah, so with this innovative design process, you create quilts and private commissions. So when you create something, is it a one-of-a-kind thing? So most often it is a one-of-a-kind thing. I don't, I don't want to say I don't like to. I shy away from creating the same piece twice. So even if it's a pattern, like the one behind me here, um, often even if I put a pattern out into the world, I'll make it once, maybe twice. Um, but commissions are always custom. So I never make the same quilt twice. Yeah, that's, that's just my preference. The yeah. customer just knows this is a one of a kind thing. That's awesome. So can you tell, sort of dive into the story? Tell us a little bit about your very first quilt that you created with this processing. So the very first quilt was the collaboration with Josh. Um, we called it the TS1 quilt. It was a really straightforward quilt. I think it has four or five colors in it. Uh, but what was really cool about the design and what happened with this coding language that I was using is that it took all these different size triangles and broke them up on this grid and scaled them at various scales so that they're kind of overlapping and there's all this really interesting negative space. And right away when I made it, I was like, oh, I've never seen a quilt like this before. This is super cool. I don't think anyone's ever used programming to design, to design quilts before. And so Josh and I started sharing it, I think mostly on Twitter. And then it took off from there. So I got a lot of attention from um, the tech industry and tech design industry. So that was interesting, more so than quilting or quilters in that community, I got a lot of attention in the sort of programming world. So what I was doing with craft and technology. So it sort of took off from there. That is so cool. And I mean, even though it sounds really like it's quite random and you're surprised by what comes out, you can actually choose like your colors and some parameters like angles and sizes, right? Yes, so I could have total control over what colors I'm using. I just don't know where they're going to land on the grid. Um, and I can always, I mean, what the computer spits out, what the, the program spits out initially, I always end up taking it into Illustrator in Adobe and cleaning it up and making a final composition based on, you know, some tweaks here and there. So it's not always straight out of the code into a quilt. There's a lot of massaging that happens to those. Cool. So do you ever just get lost in the program and just sit for hours creating dozens of designs? <laughs> I used to. Yeah, I haven't used it for a while, um, but when, because when I do, I do tend to get really into it and I play with and I save so many different, um, so it, it saves out as a PDF. If I want to save what I see on the screen, if I don't want to save it, I shut it down and run the code again. But I've got like folders full of PDFs and things from like five years ago that I still look at and I still think, oh, I, I have to make that someday. It's got to go on the list of, of a quilt to be made. So yeah, that must be so nice to have that bank of kind of endless designs. You can do block of the months over and all kinds of things. That's fun. Yeah. Um, so I always love to ask if you work at a day job and create on the side or how you transitioned out of work to being a quilt professional full time. Oh, good question. I'm trying to think of how long it's been. Uh, I went on maternity leave with my second child. So that was almost 10 years ago now. And at that point, I was taking more commissions and writing, starting to write quilt patterns. And I think I had one freelance or contract job at an ad agency. And then from that point on, I've just been doing this full time. So it took a, it took a while and it's taken, you know, a good solid 10 years of work to get to where I am now, where I'm able to actually help pay for bills and buy, buy groceries for my family and pay for a, a proper studio space. So it takes a lot of time and a lot of work to get there, but 
it's doable. It's just, yeah, it's a lot of work. So you came from this advertising career into quilting full-time, but you didn't dive right away into big quilt shows or anything. So tell us about the types of design events you started attending first. Sure. So because I was coming to quilting from a very different background, like I didn't have quilters in my family, I wasn't really aware of quilt guilds. I didn't know that was really a thing. Um, <laughs> I laugh about it now, but back then I had no idea. But because I was, I was coming at it from a design perspective, so um, quilt shows weren't in the mix for me. I wanted to show my work at interior design shows. So I did the um, Design TO Festival and the Interior Design Show here in Toronto. Uh, and then I also did New York Design Week several times. So it was really interesting to, you know, stand uh, in front of all kinds of people who are interior designers and decorators and manufacturers and talk about my work and, and bring quilting to them and put a spotlight on a craft that maybe people had sort of forgotten about or had a certain, you know, idea of what it was. So, yeah. That's a really different road than the average quilter takes into the quilting industry. So when you started realizing there was a quilt scene and guilds, how did you find that world, your first foray into the world? Did you find it welcoming or what did you think? Yeah, it was definitely very welcoming and people are always really interested in the work that I'm doing. Um, the funny thing was because I was making quilt commissions, I didn't know that people wrote pat. I knew there were quilt patterns out there, but I didn't hadn't really thought about ever writing one until a quilter, a local quilter said to me, you know, Libs, I love your quilts, but I'm never going to buy one because I quilt. So, but I would buy a pattern. You should write a pattern. So uh, I was like, oh, people do that. So, so I put a pattern out there and um, I, I can't remember which guild found out about my work first, but I know I, I started to travel to the States to guilds initially more than Canada and then eventually Canadian guilds caught on to to who I was so you know that's been really fantastic to stay on this side of the border and visit you know quilt guilds in Canada but um yeah it was really funny just like oh wow there's so many guilds and so many different types of groups from traditional to more contemporary and then I, at some point I found out about the modern quilt guild and all the work that they were doing so yeah oh you probably fit right in there because you're so contemporary so um let's take a step back for a second because you mentioned your studio i want you to tell us all about your studio so where do you live in the world and what is your studio like okay i live in toronto i grew up in a small town not far from here about an hour and a half away in lindsay ontario so uh but i've been in toronto for over 20 years now and i live in the east end of the city I used to live in the West End, and then as soon as we decided to buy a house, we came to the East End of the city. It's more neighborhoody, um, and that was about 15 years ago. And just the last couple, just before Christmas, I said to myself, "I need space. I cannot. I had the tiniest room in the house for my sewing space, and because I'm designing fabrics, which I know we'll discuss." Uh, I have six years worth of collections just piling up into that little space. And I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. So I found a little studio, not a little, a decent sized studio space in the East End. I'm not far from my house. It's like five minute drive and I'm still filling it up and still bringing furniture in and shelving in and getting organized. But it's so nice to have a place out of the home for me to go to, to work. You know, it's very different. I've been at home working for 10 years. So it's a real shift. Yeah, kind of sounds like a little bit of a quilter's paradise. So how are you going to set it up? Is it a large, vast open space and you're going to like set up little workspaces or something? Yeah, so right now about half of the space is my work area. I've got a big table for my sewing machine and an ironing table. I've got shelving for all my bolts of fabrics. And I've, I just ordered more shelving yesterday for all my, my personal stash, because even though I design a lot of my own fabrics, I'm a quilter. I love other designers' fabrics too. So I have bins that need to go onto shelves. Um, and then I've got another spot in the studio that's just going to be sort of a lounge area. 
because I like to work on my computer. I don't like to sit at a desk. I often, if you see me doing a Zoom session or something, I'm in my bed. So, so I'm not having a bed put in here, but I'll have a nice couch and a nice seating area. Um, and then I've got a huge work table that my husband just built from scratch for me. And it's fantastic. So that's a big cutting table. I'll be able to baste up on a surface, not on the floor, because I'm that's no longer a thing I can do at this age. So yeah, that sounds really good. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'll ever teach there or do you travel to teach or teach on Zoom mostly? Well, right now I'm teaching on Zoom. I've just started to do that. I used to travel a lot, like a few times a month mm -hmm. um, and travel all over the place. So right now I'm doing Zoom and maybe at some point because I have enough space, I can do small sessions once we're allowed to, to do group sessions, maybe five or six people. I just need to make sure, cause I've run into this before. I just need to make sure I've got the right voltage so we're not blowing any fuses or anything in this space. Cause that's yeah. always a challenge, but yeah, it would, it would be great to have you know, small group sessions in here. Yeah, that would be great. So let's dive into that question about the pattern. So a quilter was telling you, I want you to make a pattern. So what was the first pattern you created and what's the story behind that quilt? The first pattern I ever did was the rebel quilt. So it's very much like the work I do, uh, the triangle quilts I create with the code that I use to generate quilts. It's It looks sort of complicated because of the way the triangles are all randomly placed and colored in, but it's a really straightforward quilt and that is mostly half square triangles. And uh, I put it out into the world, not sure, you know, you sort of release these things digitally into the world and sort of sit and wait what's gonna happen next. So it was amazing when I started to see it popping up, people were buying it and making it um, with their own fabric choices and selections and some of them were tweaking it a bit. And so it's this really cool, wonderful feeling to put a quilt pattern out in the world and see what people do it. It's almost like you're collaborating with every person who buys a pattern because you, you know, you put, you give them the idea, you give them the, the base and then they build on it. So it's really, it was really exciting. Yeah, I could see how that would be really satisfying for a designer to put something out there and then see people's personal creative take on it. Mm -hmm. um, so you have over 30 patterns available on your website at libselliot.com. How would you describe your style of design? Was it like geometric, digital, contemporary? Yeah, I guess it's, it's quite contemporary. A lot of geometry. I've there are a few quilts now on there, a few patterns that use curves. So that's a whole other fun technique to use. Um, I have some English paper piecing patterns and some foundation piecing patterns, but they are all sort of contemporary designs for sure. Yeah. But the funny thing about what I do though, is that a lot of, when you look at a lot of my designs, they're all traditional blocks. They're just being used in a very different way. Yeah. Okay. So I want to repeat that website. It's libselliot.com and Elliot has two L's and two T's. Now we're going to take a quick break for a commercial, but when we come back, we're going to talk about so fine thread gloss and absolute vodka. Sass Boutique has stepped up to the challenge of dressing me in style for the podcast trailers. This classic white blouse with a little bit of shimmer is designed by Joseph Ribkoff, available from Sass Boutique. And these really cool earrings are corkhousedesigns.ca. With shops in Summerland and Penticton, if you love this shirt, you can pick up the phone and call Sass Boutique to order it today at 250-494-1677. Sass Boutique, an excellent selection of contemporary and classic women's clothing. So Libs, I was scrolling through your shop and I saw that you even have your own so fine thread gloss. This is a product you use to condition your thread for hand stitching. I love this stuff so much that I'm having the founder, Jen McMillan, on the podcast next month. So how did you end up having three different scents of thread gloss in your name? That's so cool. I'm so excited you're having Jen come and visit. She's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. And I don't remember exactly how I found out about her pro product. It might have been through the Ottawa Guild. Anyway, uh, but I, I knew she was Canadian and she had created this really cool product. Um, I had been doing EPP hand stitching and my thread always gets wound up in, and it's very frustrating. So I'm like, what can I use to help this, you know, my threads 
goes more smoothly through the fabrics. So when I found out she had so fine thread gloss and she's Canadian, you know, I just, I reached out. I said, hey, do you ever do collaborations? Could we do some scents together? And she was, you know, excited about it, which is great. And so she said, yeah, sure, let's do, how many do you want to do? And I just picked three, I think randomly, but it was a fun process to go back and forth and choose um, the different scents and then get the product in hand and try each one out. So yeah, that's so cool. When I saw that on your website, I was like, what? I'm having her on the show. This is so exciting. So when I saw your trunk show last month, you told a really cool story about Absolute Vodka. What did you design for them? Well, I did a special Canada quilt for their uh, for Canada's 150th birthday. Um, and that was in 2017. Uh, they'd reached out to me or the agency working with Absolute reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in creating a design for a limited edition bottle. So it's an Absolute Canada bottle. I think there were, I'm not sure how many printed, like 10 to 20,000 printed in, to in total and that's it. So we designed the, the label to go on the front. It was actually printed right onto the glass, which is really nice. And then I also created an actual quilt to go with the bottle and we shot a commercial. And then I ended up making three of those quilts for various um, people who worked at Absolute and at the ad agency who wanted one of the quilts. So that was a lot of work, but it was a really great experience. Coming from an advertising background, I worked with clients, but I never got to be the creative person who created, you know, the, the work for the client. So this time around, it was amazing. And Absolute Vodka, they're a really progressive company and really open to new ideas. And they didn't tweak anything. I, I showed them a couple different options. They chose one and they let me go for it. So it was really, really wonderful. Yeah. And that is so awesome to hear a story like that, where quilting is brought into the limelight a little bit. You know, I think the average person might think of it as your grandmother's quilt. And when people do amazing projects like that, collaborating, it just brings quilting into the world of this is cool. This is something everyone can do. So I love those kind of stories. So the biggest place where you create content is on Patreon. Now, some of us may have never heard of Patreon. So what is it and how can quilters connect with you there? Patreon is a really cool platform. I've been on it for a few years now. It's almost like a blog um, because I do posts on there, but it's a subscription-based blog. So if you go to patreon.com slash you'll see some posts. And then if you subscribe and pay a certain amount of money per month, it unlocks more posts and more um, content. So um, you can you can get also get really cool rewards. So there's merch rewards. Sometimes I have special discount codes for members. Um, it's just a really cool platform. And then there's a whole area that's uh, a community area. So if you're a member, you can post the work that you're doing and get input from other members and get input from me on, on the work that you're doing. So it's a really cool platform. Oh, that's really exciting. I didn't know about the community area. So, and that's where you roll out your block of the month. So how many of those have you done and how do they work? Well, I've done a few sew alongs now on there, including this one back here, this Orbiter quilt, which we just finished up before Christmas. And now I'm doing a block of the month. Uh, it started this month in February and it runs for a whole year. And we're doing, I'm putting out one block every month and then I'm also providing a video tutorial to go along with that block. So that's a really cool way, especially it opens it up to people who are brand new to quilting. I had someone post the other day a photo in the community area of her block. And she's like, this is the first block I've ever made for the first quilt I've ever made. And I was really excited and happy for her. Um, so it's really it allows people to, of all levels to participate. Yeah, that's really good. And if you have one in progress for 2021 and people want to sign up now, will they get access to the last few months? Yeah. So what happens is if you sign up now or you say you sign up next month, you can you'll have access to all the downloads of all the patterns and everything, um, even in the past, all the way back to like 2016 or 2017, any free content I've put up in blog posts 
you'll have access to it. It's just that you have to kind of dig through and, and find all the links to the downloads and everything, but you've got full access to, to all the content that's, that's free for your level of participation. So I've got different fun levels like So Squad um, and Quilt Gang. So if you're a Quilt Gang member, it's $3 a month and you get to play, be part of the, the block of the month. And then if you're like So Squad, that's $10 a month, you'll get that. Plus we do monthly Zoom sessions. So we all get on and we hang out, and we chat about the block and about what's going on. So, you know, depending what level you're at, you get more stuff. Yeah, and I can vouch for the fact that it's super fun to Zoom with you, right? Um, I really I really love community projects. So I want to talk about the Unity Quilt. This is such a heartwarming project. So tell us the story behind the Unity Quilt and why it's so meaningful to you. Sure. So the Unity Quilt uh, was a project I did. I can't remember what year it was. It was a little while ago. Let's say 2018. Um, it was for New York Design Week. And I had a whole area set up in Brooklyn and it ran for a whole week. And I wanted people to get involved in building a quilt. So I had to figure out and problem solve. How am I going to allow like little kids to come up and, and make a quilt block? So, so it was a bit of a challenge because I knew I couldn't have sharp things around. You know, I couldn't really have a sewing machine. So uh, I made it all into a, a fusible, fusible blocks so I'd pre-cut all kinds of different shapes and triangles and pre-cut all the different squares and people of all ages could come up all week long and create a block or two and then I would fuse those blocks together using my iron and then every night I would go home to, or go back to my hotel room and sew blocks together and then bring it back to the event space and hang up the progress so people could see the progress um, and it was just a really fun project and I called it the unity quilt partly because I live on a street called unity and partly because I just felt like, you know, everyone and anyone could come and participate and, and put their little block into this beautiful rainbow quilt. Well, that's such a great idea to have the progress posted because as people walk by, they can see the community growing and people being involved. So mm -hmm. I love that. So you have that New York connection, I think, because you mentioned your sister lives down there. But tell us about your quilt travel. What are the, some of the highlights? Oh, my gosh. I've, been, I've tra been traveling for a few years now, and it's always fun. It's always it's great to just connect and meet other quilters in person. So it doesn't matter where I'm going. It's always really exciting. Um, I've stayed on a, like goat farm in Nebraska and Omaha. And that was a, it was wonderful, beautiful experience. Um, and, you know, I've traveled to France to the uh, Carrefour patchwork event. Uh, and then last year I took my son cause I just didn't want to travel by myself for five weeks. So I was like, come with me. I he was 13 at the time. And I took him to travel across Australia and we had a chance to go and visit five different guilds in five different cities all across Australia. And that was just mind blowing. I think at the end, the very last lecture I did, um, I was like kind of weeping and crying. I was like, this is, cause I couldn't hold back. It was just this like unbelievable experience. Like that quilting brought me to that moment. It was really wonderful. So. What a great experience to share with your child too. Was, was mm -hmm. he at the time or how old was he? He was 13, so it was, it was five weeks. So, you know, it was a bit of a challenge because he missed his friends. He was around a lot of people older than him, <laughs> around a lot of ladies that, uh, you know, when, every time he would like get to hang out with like a man, he would, <laughs> it was exciting. And there were times when it was a little difficult, but other times that he loved it. And now he says, now he's talked about wanting to go back and go and go visit again and do more things that we didn't get to do. So it's great. I'm, I'm happy that he got to that point where now he's like, yeah, mom, I want to go back to Australia. And so that's really good. I have this feeling that once we are allowed to start traveling again, there's going to be this explosion because people are so cooped up. Yeah. So let's go back. When you were talking about your studio, you mentioned your fabric design. So you are a well-established fabric designer now. And so how did you get started with your very first design? Oh, man, I was at 
my first QuiltCon event. And I was visiting my friend Jacqueline who owns Soap Wash. She had a whole big booth there and I was just standing chatting with Jacqueline and you know, she'd been running her business for quite a while and she's a really great businesswoman and also really good at connecting people. And so Jacqueline said to me, so Libs, like, what do you think you wanna do next? And I said, I don't know, you know, we'd be fun. I've been thinking about fabric design. You know, I study textiles. I've always been into surface design. I don't have any formal uh, background in it, but I feel like it would be fun to create some of my own fabrics. And then she's, and so she looks at me and behind me walks up this other, this woman. And she's like, oh, well, in that case, I want you to meet my friend, Daryl. Daryl is from Andover. <laughs> and so Daryl and I hit it off and Daryl's like, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. I know who you are you know, come to New York, we'll set up a meeting. So that's what we did. I, I went to, I flew to New York, I had a stack of different designs. Um, and then I, I got a contract. So that was amazing. It was really wonderful. That's such a nice story. And also in your fabric designs, it's very, it's very varied, right? It's not all geometric, but do you use the programming for some of your fabric design as well? Yeah. So for some of the designs in almost every collection, not every single one, but in a lot of them, there'll be at least one or two designs where I've used that programming language to create something. Um, so yeah, it's handy because some designs look really cool on screen, but they're so complex that they wouldn't look, it would be really hard to make it as a quilt, but it would look really cool in repeat as a fabric, so. Yeah. And what's the process? So are, do you literally hand draw on paper or do you design on the computer? And what's the process sort of from your idea to fabric on the shelf? Uh, it's a bit of both. So sometimes I'm drawing on paper more so now I'm using an iPad pro. I like upgraded and, and I'm learning how to use programs on my iPad to draw. Uh, and then I do a lot of my work on my computer and I work with the studio. So Andover has an in-house studio and a creative director. Um, and I work with, with them to define which color, what the color ideas are and what the theme is going to be for the collection and scaling of all the different prints and making sure that's a whole cohesive group. I could not do it without the creative department, without the studio. It's, it's a lot of work. And, you know, there are people who definitely have expertise in, in certain things like colors and what's, what can be done at the, the manufacturing mills. And so, yeah, it's super helpful to have a whole team behind you yeah, to do the work. Really good. And so how many uh, fabrics are in each line and how many lines do you design each year? I design anywhere from two to four collections a year and it varies. Um, usually there's minimum of about 12 different SKUs, like 12 colors or 12 prints, um, anywhere up to, I think the largest collection I did was something like 30 prints maybe. But um, I like to do smaller, more manageable groups because it allows shops to, you know, smaller shops also to invest in a whole collection. And it's a little more accessible to people who are on a budget who can't afford to buy, you know, 35 or 36 bundles you know of fabrics so keeping the collections a little bit smaller now is has some benefits yeah and with that many fabrics and the shows and things you have to travel to you must need tons of samples so do you have makers or influencers who use your fabric in their designs and feature them yes yeah, so i usually have sample yardage that comes and then i will reach out to different influencers especially on social media and I'll send out bundles of fabrics to them to create specific designs. So say if it's, it's sort of all like we, everyone's helping each other out, at least that's the way I like to think about the quilting community. So if there's a designer, a quilt designer who has a great new pattern coming out and I send my fabrics, that's going to help to sell my fabric collection, but hopefully it also helps that designer sell that pattern, right? So the more I can spread around my fabrics, the more people will see them, but also it, it helps to lift up other quilters. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So what's it like being a Canadian in this great big world of fabric design? It's pretty cool. I think it's, it, sometimes people are surprised, like, oh, I thought you were American, but you know, when they find out I'm Canadian, it's, it's pretty cool. And when going into this, I didn't really, hadn't really considered the fact that that would be something important to other Canadian quilters. 
um, but I've had a huge, great response to my collections from Canadian quilters and a lot of support um, from the Canadian shops. So it has been really wonderful to, um, to get that level of support. Yeah, and it's been so nice just to see on social media over the pandemic, this flood of support for local small businesses in Canada. You see that waves of people talking about it all the time. So let's talk a little bit about your workshops. So I, I see on your website, I think you have about five workshops. So what do you teach and which, which workshops have been your most popular on Zoom? Ooh, well, uh, I have a few different, yeah, five different ones. The most popular one by far is called Embrace the Chaos. And I've taught that on Zoom. I just started teaching on Zoom maybe two months ago. So it's a whole new world to me, but, um, but it's going surprisingly well, which is great. I think because people are in their own homes, they've got all their stash. So it's not like they've forgotten something when they come to a workshop, everything's right there. Um, but Embrace the Chaos is this fun class that sort of mimics the code that I use. We don't use computers. Instead, we're like roll. I roll dice and I pull bingo chips, and and every participant fills out like a, a graph sheet, and every person ends up with a different quilt design, and then we spend the rest of the day making those quilt tops. So it's a really fun, fun sort of like bingo quilting and sort of chaotic, but then you kind of get to rein it in by choosing different fabrics that you love and tweaking your design. So that's a fun, a really fun class. Yeah, and I could see that going over really well on Zoom because guilds just need to get together, right? They just need that connection, that human connection. It's kind of fun to do an event almost rather than just sitting there sewing by yourself. Yeah, so, for sure. Awesome. So uh, if you want to see the rest of Lib's workshops, you can check them out on her website. Um, and you have a lecture. So, of course, I've seen the lecture. I loved it. So yeah. what's that all about? What do you talk about in your lecture? Um, my lecture is mostly just about my quilting journey so far. And, you know, where I came from and, and how I sort of traveled through these funny different areas that maybe other people didn't experience, like going through, you know, to different design shows. Um, and I talk about the code that I use. And then at the end, I do uh, a demo of the code because I can talk to you all day about what it does, but it's hard to sort of wrap your head around it unless you actually get a chance to see the demo. So I do a demo of of how the code works and, and what pops up on my screen. So, yeah, and it's so nice to see all of your quilts and all the stories behind them. I really enjoyed your lecture and everyone will have noticed in the, the podcast preview that I did today um, that if they just, or if they just go to your website that you are visually stunning with your tattoos, you're just gorgeous. And a highlight for me of your lecture was when you told the story about how much you loved and grew up with antiques in your life. And that although you might not fit in to Downton Abbey, you would absolutely love to be there. I laughed so hard that I had to double check that I was on mute. Because I was afraid I was laughing out loud in front of everyone. But yet your, your lecture was really fun. So I enjoyed that. Um, you also have done some private commissions. Uh, what are the highlights? And has there ever been one that you sold that you really miss? Oh, yeah, commissions. Okay, so I used to do a lot of quilt commissions. Um, but as you know, I've become, you know, designing fabric and doing workshops, I tend to only do one, maybe two a year. Um, but initially, I did a lot of the different like triangle quilts that I generated using code. And quite a few of those ended up in different offices and um, studio spaces. So I know that there are a few of those that I, I really miss. There was this beautiful one I did maybe just two years ago. It was for a cottage in the Muskokas and it was for a little girl named Poppy. So I didn't get to meet Poppy. I don't know what she looks like or anything, but her name was Poppy. And I did this really beautiful quilt that looks like a Poppy almost exploding out of the center of the quilt in all various reds and oranges, and then some sort of um, rainbow colors around the background. And it was so pretty. It was really challenging to get the design to tweak it just right, but it was really pretty finished. And so now it's sort of, I'm sort of like, oh, that was such a good quilt. But you know, you have to, you have to sell it. You know, when someone's paying for it, you have to follow through, so. You have to let go eventually, hey, yeah. yeah. So tell us about the Toronto Design Show private commission called the Vortex. Right. So the Vortex, it wasn't actually, it's not a private commission. It was a, it's, it's a project that I did, just a passion project. I wanted to make this really huge 
quilt that, um, and it's massive, um, that's just based on um, like a stitch and flip rectangle. So if you look at it, it almost looks like it's expanding. It's just made with black and white linen, um, but it's this huge quilt. Uh, and Andrea Sang Jackson and I paired up last year to do uh, Design Week in Toronto. And we had this really great space to exhibit our quilts. And Andrea brought some of her really beautiful pieces. And then I just had this one massive quilt that we had to hang up on a big wall. And we got, you know, this huge ladder, very sketchy moments getting up there and trying to hang it up. So, um, but it looked fantastic. The only downside is now it's in an Ikea bag and I haven't sold it yet. So I'm really hoping, part of me really hopes that it sells because yeah. what else am I gonna do with it? And then the other part, you know, the other part of me is like, it's so nice. So maybe I could hang it up in my studio space. I think I've got the wall. I just, I need to find someone who's willing to climb up on a ladder like that again. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, thank you. Okay, so 2020 has been a strange year for everyone. How has your business shifted? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, when everything shut down last year, it, I had a lot of travel plans. I had a lot of workshops booked overseas. I was supposed to go to Norway and to Switzerland and, and to Saskatchewan and Thunder Bay, all kinds of places. And it all just shut down. So, um, so that was a huge shift. I know there were a lot of quilters who, and teachers who pivoted very quickly to the online platform and I just wasn't ready to do that so I just you know I stepped back from teaching for a little while uh, I canceled a lot of my lectures and everything and I just started to focus really on um, pattern design uh, writing quilt, new quilt patterns and focusing on my fabric design and selling fabrics online which you know did quite well because so many people were buying fabric to make masks and and projects and there were new quilters coming out of the woodwork, you know, learning a new skill because they're at home. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's where my, you know, I, I did okay. Business wise, everything was great. Everything was still very consistent. And so I'm really thankful for that. Um, yeah, it was just a big shift. And so only recently have I sort of said, you know what, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, I'm ready to start taking on doing workshops again. Um, and doing lectures again. So uh, I put the call out maybe around Christmas time. And now I've, you know, I'm booking into the fall, which is fantastic. So it's great. Yeah. And I love to ask this question of all my guests in your quilting world, what brings you the most joy? Honestly, I, when I teach and someone creates something that they're really proud of, or learn something new. So if they learn something from me, a new technique, or when we do embrace the chaos and the result that they end up with is something that they're really proud of, that makes, that fills my bucket. That makes me feel really good. Um, you know, when I teach my, the whole, my whole, I like to keep it positive. I don't want people to get stressed out because quilting is supposed to be fun. You know, we're all there to enjoy it and to de-stress. Um, and I want people to feel good about the work that they're doing. So even if it's not something that they've done perfectly, you know, I love building other people up. So I think that's what brings me the most joy is, you know, seeing other people having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. that's such a great answer. I just, and I, it's so important that there are teachers out there that feel that way. I mean, yeah, that brings a lot of joy. So yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and what is on your design wall right now? Brandy, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a design wall. What? <laughs> I've never had a design wall. This is the funny thing too, about again, being in this new big space, I've got walls. Maybe yeah. I'll put a design wall up. I have this really funny way of working on most of my quilts, even like something like this this big one behind me where I don't like to look at the finished quilt until I've got all the blocks and everything together. I love having this moment of taking the whole quilt top, taking it over to like my bed or the floor or whatever, and then just throwing it open and like, ta-da, this big ta-da moment. So I just keep my head down. I sew all the blocks, I sew all the rows, I put everything together. And then I have this big reveal to myself 
Um, luckily, so far, I've never had a reveal where I open it up and everything's totally backwards because <laughs> I'm sure that could happen easily. Um, but yeah, I don't. So I don't have a design wall. But I feel like maybe I should put something up here and I could put some blocks up and I'm sure it would be handy to have. <laughs> I've never worked like that. So it actually sounds really good because you're kind of taking out one huge step of like deliberation and second guessing and you're just going yeah. to the wind. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Once I get something designed, I spend a lot of time up front on my computer, tweaking, messing around, playing with, with the design. So once I get it, to where it is yeah if i had a does i feel like i would just keep second guessing myself so i just know head down so go for it so okay now it's time for the lightning round robin this is a short series of rapid fire questions just to have some fun so are you ready yes i am go for it okay so who has inspired you most in the world of quilting Whew. Uh, i would say well johanna masco who is a teacher here in Toronto. And I believe she has online classes as well. And she does needlepoint. Um, she's incredibly talented and she taught me how to quilt. So she'll always be like my biggest inspiration for sure. Um, there are also some art quilters out there who I really respect and whose work I love. Um, Eric Wolfmeyer, his work is phenomenal. And Sean Kimber, her work is just incredibly powerful. Um, and then also the work of the Social Justice Sewing Academy. Um, it's a fantastic group. So those are all people that I'm a big, big follower and supporter of. Yeah, I want to link with them and have them on the show. So yeah. what is your favorite notion? All right, I have a weakness. <laughs> I have a weakness for scissors. And I know that really, I mean, how many scissors do we really need? We need paper scissors and fabric scissors. Um, but I sort of, I don't, I don't want to say I collect scissors, but I have a, quite a few. But my most recent ones I'll show you are these LDH thread clip. So it's this, you put your finger in here and it's this really nice. So it's great for clipping threads or when I chain piece blocks together and I have to cut in between, mm -hmm. it's really cool. And LDH is based here in Toronto too. So another Canadian company. And they also do like rainbow, beautiful rainbow scissors and just really wonderful shears and then cra great craft scissors. So that's my, my favorite little tool right now. Okay, I'll make sure that's in the podcast preview. And what yeah. was your most embarrassing moment? <laughs> because there are so, I've got lots of embarrassing moments. One of the most embarrassing moments was uh, going to Quilt Con and the first evening I was there, I met a group of people for drinks and there was, I saw Carolyn Freelander was sitting across from me. And then I said, to, there's another woman. I said, I don't know who you are. And it was Allison Glass. Oh, no. and I didn't know who she was. And I was taking a, my a workshop with her the next day. She was teaching mm -hmm. embroidery and I didn't know who she was. And I think like that was the quilt con where I ended up, you know, signing with Andover and Allison's on a, an Andover designer as well. But it was just this embarrassing, like everyone else was like that how do you not know who Allison Glass is? So that was a little embarrassing, but we don't always see everyone's faces. And, you know, you look on Instagram or social media and everyone's avatar is tiny. And how am I supposed to know? I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So what color do you choose most often when quilting? Maybe black, black and white. Like I love using black or dark colors in backgrounds of fabrics or bright white as background fabrics so yeah I do so many colors and things but black and white are also like I have bolts of black and white okay and do yeah. you have any furry friends at home I do <laughs> I have um a cat named Dot her full name is Dot Spot Mittens she's actually quite mean to my daughter and I and which makes my daughter sad because she's the only one who really wanted a cat and the cat's really nice to the boys and she attacks us so once in a while she's nice um and then we have a bulldog an english bulldog named angus and gus is only he'll be one year old next week um and he is kind of wild he hates the cat which is too bad because the cat loved our last bulldog they would snuggle together and this one he just he just terrorizes her so <laughs> yeah but it's fun yeah bulldogs are so cute okay and what do you listen to while in the studio I listen to a lot of podcasts. 
um, true crime podcasts, but then I have to take breaks because then I get really scared. <laughs> listen to too many crime podcasts and I, you know, have to go to my car by myself and then I get nervous. Um, so true crime podcasts or just music. I have lots of playlists on Spotify that I listen to. So yeah. Oh, great. Okay. That was so fun, Libs. Thank you for doing that. So we have mentioned your website, libselliot.com. Elliot has a double L and double T where we can see everything you do, but where's the best place for quilters to engage with you on social media? Uh, that would be on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is just at libselliot. And then also on Facebook, again, I'm at libselliot on Facebook. I'm not on there. If you direct message me, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to see it, but I, I post on Facebook as well. So I'm, I'm in both places. And then also Patreon is where, you know, I, I post blog things and do block of the month and everything. So yeah, that whole Patreon thing sounds really cool. Yeah, it's fun. So now I'm going to outline the contest giveaway. Libs is giving away a bundle of fat quarters from an out of print fabric line and from her most recent fabric line. So thank you so much, Libs. That is so generous. You guys can be looking forward to that contest giveaway launches today, goes for five days. You can, you can sign up and enter the draw every single day for five days. Now, Libs, as we wrap up, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I guess what I want people to think about is I want you to be proud of the work that you make. I want you to feel motivated to get out there and sew and, you know, don't be humble about your work. Be proud of, of the work that you do. I, I don't, I think we, we minimize what we're good at and it's important to say, no, I did this. I accomplished it. Yay me, pat on the back. So that's, yeah, that's the message that I'm giving out to all of you today. That's such a good parting message. So Libs, Elliot, I was really excited to have you on the show today. And it's been so nice to hear your story. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. So that was my interview with Libs Elliott, a textile artist and designer who combines technology and tradition, making digital code into physical quilts. One thing that stood out for me recently in my quest to land great guests for the podcast was that six different people told me that I should have Libs Elliott on the show. I believe word of mouth is the greatest compliment a creator can receive. So this gal is doing something right. And I think it has a lot to do with her character. Now, don't forget, I love to hear from you. Follow me on Facebook and Insta and send me a message anytime. I really want to create a community where we can all be inspired to live our quilting lives to the max. Now go enter the prize giveaway for your chance to win a Libs Elliott Fabric Prize. And please share this podcast. The greatest compliment you can give me is an introduction to your friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.